Welcome back to the September edition of the Gate 15 Risk Roundtable, our monthly start to the month's podcast menu, which now includes the Cybersecurity Evangelist, a cybersecurity-focused discussion with Jennifer Lynn Walker and invited guests, David Pounder's Nerd Out Security Panel Discussion, which focuses on physical security topics, including terrorism, extremism, hostile events, and other topics, and ends with a Gate 15 interview, my monthly interview with guests from throughout the Homeless Security Risk Management community, addressing a wide range of all hazards, topics, and issues, which, by the way, We'll be focusing this month on a favorite topic of our team, ransomware, where I'll be joined by friends from Multi-State Information Sharing Analysis Center and FireEye, who was kind enough to join me last month as well. So good day. My name is Andy, and I'm joined today by the aforementioned Jen and Dave, as well as our valued teammate, Jarena Thomas. Hello, team. Hello. I'm actually jealous about your interview this month. <laughs> as you should be. As you should be. <laughs> I am. <laughs> he really Hi, Andy. Killed it. Hi, everyone. Adriana. Yeah, I was, just there. There in the background. I, I, I was just I was just trying to get an edge in here. I, you know, I've got Jarena and Jen. I just got to try to work my way in here. And when I get the mic, I'm going to have to keep talking. So well, well, you typically going. do that. Our whole our whole goal here is to slowly box you out completely, but we're not quite there that. yet. <laughs> Dave's just the thorn between two roses. Oh, <laughs> he's definitely a pain somewhere. That's for sure. So, hey, with that, wow, I teed that up perfectly. <laughs> well done. We, we've got a lot to get into besides my, my affection for Dave Pounder. Um, so why don't we start moving towards that? So we'll be racing through a lot of really important topic, topics in today's risk roundtable. Um, some of those at different levels, one of which we'll start out with uh, the ongoing protest related security concerns. There's so much to cover there. We'll try and focus on the security aspects specifically in the short time that we have. Then we'll touch on a few maybe less stressful topics. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's the right wording, including insider threats. There are so many insider threats in the news right now, as well as uh, National Insider Threat Awareness Month, National Preparedness Month, and more that we'll cover as well. So without any ado, let's go ahead and dive in. And I'll start out with back in June, uh, Drina and I discussed protests in our inaugural Gay 15 interview. Drina, thanks so much for your perspective in that. If you haven't listened to that, you're listening now, I encourage you to go back and listen to Drina's comments there. It was a really good discussion in that first interview that we did. Um, here we are now, some two months and change later, and there have been more incidents of excessive use of force, more anger as Jacob Blake lays in the hospital and as Kyle Rittenhouse sits in a juvenile detention facility, ongoing protests in Oregon and Wisconsin and elsewhere, an increasing protest and counter protest as we move closer to election season. So Dave, I'll, I'll come over to you. I mean, Black Lives Matter, elections, coronavirus, there are no shortage of serious topics being addressed in the many ongoing protests occurring around these United States. Where do we even get started with that? Well, I mean, you kind of took my first lines. I, I don't even know where to begin on some of these anymore because when we used to, you know, I've written a lot of papers on protests and, and advising and alerting clients or customers or, or individuals how to prepare for what we would consider a traditional protest schedule. You know, you have some, you know, the, the normal economic protests that go on around the world with the G7, G8, G20. When those things happen, you've got the May Day protests that generally pop up on, on May 1st around the world. You have protests that come up with some issues here and there, but but largely that's anticipated. We we know those are coming. What we have now is I'd I'd, I'd hate to I think calling them protests now is a little like selling them a little short in some respects because I think it's a movement. It, it's not necessarily constrained to one single thing that you can point your finger to in, in each of these respective areas it, it's something different that's triggering it and, and i i guess i really want to focus on that triggering type of event and what is being done um within security and in um by, by security professionals because you know it's it, it all i mean while the most recent cases have come up with the black lives matter movement with um, Jacob Blake and, and stuff. We really go back to George Floyd, but really it goes back much further than that. We all know that they, these have been bubbling up and, and it just finally took one event to push it over the edge. And, and I think what, what has been interesting to see throughout is that people are actually starting to use their, their positions uh, to help in these movements. Um, you know, the NBA players, uh, 
pro, you know, whether there was going to be initially a forfeit or a po and it became a postponement. The bottom line is they used their position to, to stage a walkout. Um, then that went to other Major League Baseball, that went to soccer, that went to all, you know, the women's NBA. Um, and I think these are, these are happening across the, the, the spectrum. And it's really great to see, and there's really a lot of things going on. And then you, you have to look at, you know, what's happening in Portland as something that's different. I mean, this has been ongoing for a long time. It's unclear what necessarily some of the, their positions are with relation to where they stand with some of the, the movement. But, but the tensions continue to escalate. At first, it was thought to be simply because there were federal troops there. And now it's those federal troops have gone. And, and now it's something more. And it's supposed to be some other signal. You have now individuals coming to these events looking for a fight, looking. They, they can say they're there because they're going to protect businesses and such, which is, I mean, it, it's baloney if you, I mean, I'm going to use a derogatory term, it's baloney, right? I mean, we all know that this is not why they're coming to protect uh, these, to, to have these instruments. You don't come with a loaded weapon to protect the business as, a, as an individual citizen. You just don't. Um, and so it's concerning to see this escalation occur. And I'm trying to stay non-political. I'm trying not to associate with one group or the other. But the reality is, is this is a challenge for security organizations and organizations in general on how to do it and, and what they can experience. And, and what may happen today is may not be happening tomorrow. And what may be in one part of the country or the world may bleed over in, in a moment, um, it, you know, in one moment to the next. And, and so I, I think it's really, it's hard to grab your hand, you know, to wrap your hands around it. It's hard to understand all the contributing factors into going in these things. But I think that's the part I really want to focus on. It, you ha we have to make an attempt to understand. and We have to make an attempt to hear and, and recognize those things that are going on in and around our respective organizations so that we can anticipate and so that we can start predicting and we can start looking at ways that we can mitigate the risk to our business. How do we address issues and communicate and how do we move forward? It, it's really hard. I had a hard time coming up with things to say and yet here I have talked for five minutes or something. Well, that's, that's pretty brief for you, Dave. So I'll give you credit for that right off the bat. <laughs> but you, you had a lot of points I'd really like to, to talk to. I'm not gonna hit all of them and I, I'm gonna come over to you in a second, Drina, but you talked about a really important topic. One, we're not going to touch the international protest, of which there's a whole bunch to cover there. We're not touching that today. But two thoughts sort of came to me as you were chatting. And one, you talk about understanding the environment around us. I think it's sort of twofold, right? I mean, there's understand the events that are occurring around us, right? Are there scheduled protests? You know, where are the demonstrations going to be? Are we expecting counter protesters? What's the law enforcement presence? Are we expecting vigilantes, wannabe superhero crime fighters? You know, like you said, out there with armed guns and whatnot. I, there's a lot to understand from a security standpoint, but part of that also, and I, I think this is part of the security response, is understanding what is actually occurring at this protest. What are demonstrators out there talking to? Because if we understand that, we can be sensitive to it. We can also perhaps find ways to respect and respond to that beyond security. It helps maintain a calm environment, right? It helps foster you know, the conditions to allow for First Amendment protected rights, right to assembly, right to protest, right to be heard. Right, to, to allow all that and, and, and sort of, you know, have to support the cause, but support the right to do that and respect the issue being presented. There's sort of two, two aspects to understanding communications there. Is that, is, is that a fair take? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm glad you called that out because it, it is important. I, I think what's interesting about, um, and I'll just use the, the Black Lives Matter movement, is that I think that means different things to different individuals. And in different parts of the country, that's going to show up in different areas. You know, what's, what's still happening in Flint, Michigan, um, is different than what's happening in Portland. I, I struggle to grapple with all of those different dynamics. But to your point, as, as organizations and as security uh, individuals within those organizations, it's important that we understand what they are. You can't just paint broad strokes with this. It's not a Black Lives Matters versus Blue Lives Matter. It's it, it's not a it's not a simple uh, way to. You can't look at it one way or the other. You it, it, they merge, they bleed. You can't say defund the police. That means fifteen different things to fifteen different people. 
and, and so if we're not doing our due diligence to understand, then we're really impacting and, and hurting our organization. Uh, absolutely. And I, want, I want to come back to, to the other thought I had there in, in just a moment, because I think you, know, you and I have been talking about this for a long time, and uh, we both, neither one of us lacks any self-certainty or confidence in our you know, opinions and assessments. But we'll come back to that in a moment. But I want to come over to you, Jarena. Like I said, we, we talked about this a couple months ago, and I think the, the situation has, has certainly changed, but not, it hasn't calmed at all, right? So when you look at the protest environment, you look at where we are in the United States today with the protest movements and the you know, actions and, and counteractions. What do you see? What do you think as, as a security and intelligence leader? Yes, well, I love everything that Dave just said. And um, just picking up with the last part, so there are so many issues that are bleeding together here. It's really hard to pick them apart and say it's this or this. It's not binary at all. So I think that's part of the issue. And when I see these things and hear people say terms like defund the police. And as Dave mentioned, it means many different things to many different people. So I think that's part of the issue. And lately, since we last talked about this, Andy, one of the things that's really been fascinating to me and also troubling is the um, this testing out of, of legal jurisdictions and roles between the federal side and the state and local side of response to what's going on. And so it's, of course, it's become very political, unfortunately. But my question is, what do the bad actors see when they see this fighting going on among different levels of government? You know, do we bring in National Guard? Does the federal um, side have a role to play? Can they just bring people in to, to quell violence? Or do the state and local authorities have jurisdiction in their own areas? And so, so I wonder, every time I, I, I hear about... Um, you know, a, a federal person or, or agency um, talking or I hear a mayor or governor talk, I wonder, you know, what are these anarchists who are stirring the pot? What are they thinking as they hear this fighting going on very publicly about their response? And I and my my guess is that they are using it to their benefit. You know, it, it helps their message, first of all, that government is just a mess and, and not worth trusting and not worth anything. And then it also helps them to do what they're doing because there's so much fighting going on about what the response should look like. So that's been something I've been, I've been focusing on this, this, these, in these recent weeks as I see the, um, the short bursts of protests that happen in some places and then the longer-term ones, such as what's been going on in Portland. Yeah, I really like that point, Jarena. I mean, you, know, you talk about sort of our domestic agitators, right? Those that seek to cause strife and, and, and difficulty amongst our population for their own you know, agendas. But you know, I, I think as you're talking, to take a step back even, you know, if, I'm, if I'm a foreign government that likes to, see, that likes to meddle in our domestic affairs, if I'm Al-Qaeda or, or ISIS, I think I do nothing because this is exactly what they want to see, right? They want to see Americans fighting and arguing with Americans on the street and on social media, and they want to see that strife and consternation, that distrust in our political systems. I mean, they don't need to do anything right now because I think this is exactly the environment they want to see so they can say, look, look at crazy America. Look at this unstable government, right? right? I mean, this, this is a win for those who yeah. want this kind of activity. That's, well, that's absolutely right. I mean, go into that just a little, I mean, go into it a little bit and say, look at the upcoming election. Doesn't it benefit all of the, you know, an anarchist group to go in there to kind of say, look, I, I want the law and order president, I, or I don't want the law and order president, or or I want this type of government in response to that. And look, we, we can't continue to have these things. These have become political ra rallying cries. I mean, the, these you're seeing yeah. this on the campaign trail. And I do think that this is, you know, these agitators, look, I, I mean, I, I love uh, Rita Katz on, on Twitter and, and the site intelligence group. I, uh, you know, plug out to them. They don't sponsor us. They don't do anything with us. They don't even let me in on their mailings or anything. But the reality <laughs> is, is that they, they do a great job of capturing a lot of this activity on all sides, whether it's, you know, ultra right or, or ultra left. And they are able to show and capture these these feeds and the, these Twitter posts from, you know, both sides and, and just show that the, these things are, it, it's amazing to see how they're all seeking to undermine one way or the other. And, and they're not, look, in some respect, these groups are not looking for peaceful resolution. They're looking for continued chaos. 
because uh, it suits their their goals. Yeah, right. And you know, Dave wasn't. Oh, sorry, Andy. I was just going to pick up on what Dave said, and it wasn't it Shakespeare who said that all the world is a stage. And so we need to consider that some of the stuff is organic. A lot of it is organic and legitimate. Um, people exercising their right to protest their grievances with the government, absolutely. But for a lot of these actors, I do think it's it's theater. It's it's them taking advantage of the opportunity to to do what they do, and um, and so we need to keep that in mind as well. And I think that as we talk about these issues, we do need to keep in mind that um, there are at least two sets of, of of actors we're talking about here. We're talking about the the people who are are being genuine in their protest activity and then there are people who are taking advantage of of that activity to to um for for whatever whatever benefit it is to them so that's just something i think we need to keep in mind you know you hit a great point there Jarena. and just earlier today i saw a, a retweet from our, our friend bridget johnson who's a friend to our team and um you know joins Dave, dave monthly on on the nerd out discussions and she retweeted something from the DCS, which shows a, a beautiful picture of, of DC, you know, pink flowers and people jogging. And it says, you know, that DC has been destroyed by rioters, claims someone who clearly hasn't looked out their window, right? But back to the idea that this is all huh. staged, right? There's, there's a lot going on and, and there's a big media story and there's a big agenda that many can push on all sides of the issue to sort of make the statement they want to make. And, and the reality is th there's much more going on than that. And things aren't necessarily as bad as they seem in some parts, even though they're very bad in different parts. So there's, there's a lot in what we covered, but I want to kind of go back to a point that was made and, and I just spent a moment on it. I think, I think the environment has changed, right? I think if I think back to some of the reporting that Dave talked to earlier, you know, standard events, known protests, periodic concerns, black block anarchists showing up at, you know, G7, G8, G20 meetings, things of that nature. But if I look you know, back to recent history, and obviously there have been serious riots in this country and serious protests in this country you know, over the years, but to recent history, really I look back to about three years ago, or three years ago in August really, and the Unite the, Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, seems to have been somewhat of a turning point in the dynamic of these protests to me, right? In, in the story being told, in the agitators being involved, in the social media use, uh, that sort of changed to me the dynamic of it. And, and whereas, you know, we'd been warning a long time, you know, Dave's written about this extensively, whether it's, uh, you know, LGBTQ Pride Month or other known, you know, protests and gatherings that, that might be occurring. The warning was always, hey, bad guys, really bad guys meant overseas Islamic State terrorists, Al-Qaeda terrorists, sympathizers and others may seek to take advantage of these mass gatherings to cause harm, right, to, to, to bring in hostile events, IEDs, the rice cookers of the Boston Marathon bombing, small arms, whatever. And that was really the, the point we were making over and again. But, but in the last three years, I think we've seen a lot more of sort of heightened emotions on both sides, uh, strife that's really there and it's being agitated by, I'll say probably overseas uh, players um, and, and more of a racial component to it. And the, the concern isn't as much the bad guy coming, because I don't think if I'm an Al-Qaeda sympathizer or an Islamic system, I don't want to come into the middle of Portland right now and try and do something. I don't think that's a good environment for me to go into, right? But, but sort of American on American, the, these hostile confrontations and clashes, I think we've seen a lot more of that. And it's really changed the dynamic of these protests and the security concerns around these protests. Is, is, that, is that just me looking at it that way? Or Dave, do you, would, you, would you agree or, or have some additional thoughts on that? Well, if I, I'll, I'll just, I, I think th these are so complex now. And I think that, that we have such ultra sensitivities to everything. And I, I, I mean, I think there's some of, there's some media involvement here where we have to take into consideration. And, and again, I, I'm not going to get into too political of a statement here, but the 24-hour news cycle where you have to be able to generate enough stories and interest and you have to find the right commentators to talk on on issues. When you have five of those news channels going 24-7, 365, it, it really further inflames things. And, and while we've tried to go global, we've also, the globalization process has also caused us individually to go insular and to find individuals who share our points of view. And we don't really consider that. So when, 
your question's a great one, Andy. And I, I just kind of, I do want to go back to what Jarena said, where there's two individual parts of individuals here. And they, they, there's, you know, what happened in Washington, D.C. this last weekend with the, the march there was beautiful. I think it was such a great example of individuals who are really pushing for change and really doing, this is what we would consider a good, I mean, a, a protest movement where there's real impact going on there. And then you flip that around to individuals who are seeking to exploit it. You, you know, you can look at any different angle where they're coming in to try to cause this riot and stuff. And and so it's they're complex issues. I don't I don't truly have an answer, Andy. I don't I don't I mean how I feel and what I you know what I could swear to anymore. I mean it it may go to what Jarena's point is, you know, back a couple months ago when she's talking about intelligence assist, assessments and our bias in there and and stuff. What do we trust when we hear it? What do we trust when we do it? Are we really understanding that? And, and that's that's a hard, that's hard. We, do we really understand what the issue is? Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I thought I almost left you speechless here for a moment, Dave, and that was going to be a shock if, if that was the case. <laughs> the first time. I was going to say, for somebody who doesn't have anything to say about it, he was doing a pretty good job. <laughs> yeah, really, really good job. Yeah, I can't say any better than Dave said it. I just say that I, it seems like there's been a renewed interest in, um, information operations in the United States, how to politicize them, how to weaponize them, and take advantage of things that are going on in domestically and weaponize those things. And so I think that's why, Andy, to your point, we see a lot more intense emotions and intense polarization on either end um, related to, to people's feelings and then their resulting activities when it comes to these types of issues. So I think that there definitely are some puppets in the background, you know, taking advantage of this and um, whether that be domestic actors or, or, you know, overseas actors that see this stuff and want to, to inflame it because it, it's, it works. It really works. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. All great points being made. It, it reminds me a little bit of the, um, Gay 15 interview we just had last month where I got to speak to two you know, great teammates, colleagues on the topics of misinformation and disinformation and, and some of this tied directly into that discussion. So really appreciate that. I'm going to, I know we've got transition topics. I'm going to make a completely separate comment on this before we execute that transition. I know uh, Dave and some of our listeners enjoyed mocking my musical interest after our last Risk Roundtable. By the way, I'll, I'll add Mel C did drop a remix of In and Out of Love, and it's, it's a pretty hot track. But I really love music for many reasons, right? Among them is an awesome way to express our hearts and our frustrations, right? So 1989, right? A couple of years ago now. So 1989, Public Enemy dropped Fight the Power, right? 2020, just last week, they re-released that track with some additional artists and updated it a little bit. You can hear reference to Breonna Taylor, among others, for example. And I mean, 31 years on, I think that song is at least as relevant, if maybe not more relevant, right now today, right? And so to me, as we look at all this, you know, a large part of why we're seeing these protests sustain themselves this time around, why we're seeing sports leagues and others get active or sit in silence or, or even have you know, individuals called out as, uh, you know, out of line this time around is because people are, are really tired, they're really frustrated, they're really angry. And people, and I said that broadly, because I don't think it's you know, exclusive to one race or, or one identification. It's, it's people, Americans are really hurting and angry that the follow through to the civil rights movement hasn't really ever come to fruition. And as I, as I listened to, to that track this, this last Friday, I was like, man, this is, this is unbelievable to me that you know, we went from 1989 to 2020 and this song is still just as powerful. But I think uh, I'd love to dive into some more non-security aspects of this discussion. I think protests and everything we're seeing around us is, is fascinating many levels. And applaud everybody for keeping it non-political. I think there's a lot of ways to play with that and dissect that. But we do have to transition to another topic that we're seeing a rather lot about in the news these days, right? Um, so candidly, a lot, a lot of the insider threat issues we've been seeing in our headlines and our reporting the last few weeks have, have come from individuals acting on behalf of the so-called People's Republic of China, but others as well, like the recent arrest relating to Russia and the failed attack on Tesla. There, there's a lot going on and a lot in the news. Jen, you're, you're quiet during protests, but I know you're not going to be quiet here. Can you tell us a little bit about National Insider Threat Awareness Month? 
Sure. I do have one comment on the on the protest, uh, believe it or not, and that was leave it to Jarena to bring some culture to the Risk Roundtable with a Shakespeare <laughs> reference. Yeah, yeah. Bonus um, points for that. Bonus points for that. Jarena. That's done. Thank you. Though. She always I'm gets the, the bonus points. You always get the bonus <laughs> points award. <laughs> yeah. So part of part of managing risk and preparedness is managing these insider threats and understanding these insider threats. And um, Andy, you alluded to lots of uh, different examples. And I think at the end, Dave will have a couple uh, for sure that he's going to cover specifically. Uh, and something that we actually haven't talked much about on Risk Roundtable is insider threats. Um, I do plan on it for the cybersecurity evangelist, um, not in the near future, but definitely uh, we'll make a showing once or twice because it is one of my favorite topics. That said, the National Counterintelligence and Security Center established September as National Insider Threat Awareness Month. Um, in the hopes to increase awareness of this prevalent and perpetual threat. Sadly, National Insider Threat Awareness Month really does not have the widespread coverage that it deserves. So we're going to cover it a little bit here. But for a brief understanding, um, an insider threat, just so everyone kind of understands and we level set this, an insider threat is not a technology problem, right? Even in regards to computers, it's a people problem. And without people, there is no problem. Um, it's what I call an organizational level threat. It's a threat faced by every organization, regardless of the sector the business operates in, regardless of the size of the organization or the business type. And there are um, several factors that influence insider threats, behavioral factors, organizational, as well as technical factors. And uh, there are both intentional threats, intentional or malicious insider threats, as well as unintentional threats. Uh, so we call those negligent um, or accidental, or I've even heard them called um, side gruntled. So it's like maybe someone who's having a bad day. They're not necessarily a perpetually disgruntled employee from that perspective, but they're having a bad day and maybe they make some not so great decisions. Um, but trusted insiders, our employees and whatnot, you know, or our contractors don't always intend to cause our businesses harm or damage. And sometimes they do, and that can be very detrimental depending on the organization type. But uh, all organizations face threats from their trusted insiders. Every person, each one of us on this call, each one of us listening to this podcast, every one of us represents an insider threat to our organizations. Even a sole proprietor can make a mistake that causes damage or loss to their business. So every organization that has a person working for it faces risks from insider threats. So a little bit more on this year's National Insider Threat Awareness Month theme is resilience, and it is about preventing the exploitation of authorized access to cause harm to an organization or its resources. And we'll include some resources in the show notes and, um, and or the blog post, which will have some links uh, to some resources, including some interesting case studies and scenarios that you can review with your staff including a set of scenario cards that I found that would be used for internal discussions. And most of the time, you know, we're, we're hearing a lot about the insider threats this, these last couple of weeks. Most of the time, the threats from insiders is really accidental. It's, it's, an, it's unintentional. It's an oversight. It's nonetheless damaging in a lot of cases, but it's not necessarily remarkable. But occasionally, there have been some incidents like the things spy movies are made of. And it so happens we had one of those just last week. Andy alluded to it with uh, Tesla. And so I'll turn it over to Dave and see if Dave would like to talk about the Tesla incident. Yeah, and others. That, yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's, it, I mean, the the Tesla one is a, is a great example. And I would encourage anybody, I mean, it's it's been a, around the news a lot. Um, and Elon Musk even went on his Twitter, um, you know, on Twitter and, and announced it as well. Um, I, I think it's a fascinating thing because you you hit on it, Jerry, I, or Jen. I think, you know, most people are tending to associate insider threat, you know, mitigation and deterrence with, you know, automated tools and systems. And, and they can be extremely helpful and beneficial. But in this particular case, the only if you read the affidavit or if you read the criminal complaint, which is through, you can get it through the Department of Justice, Justice site, through the press release at the bottom, they always have a link to the complaint. If you read through it, it, it was very clear that uh, the only way this succeeded was that an employee who was approached by a, a, a threat actor, 
an individual who wanted to cause harm to ultimately Tesla, um, approached them about doing something nefarious. And that individual had the wherewithal to report the incident, uh, immediately knew what, recognized what it was, and report that incident to their security team. And then that security team within Tesla had the wherewithal to say, hey, this is a significant deal. We need to involve the FBI. And within a, sh a short amount of time, they were able to take an event and really, you know, run through an investigation, which really worked to great effect. And, and it was amazing to read that. And, and I would challenge everybody to go into those insider threat reviews and look at the, the, the tactics that can be pulled out from there. What, what was the threat trying to do? How were they doing it? What type of, you know, I'll put in parentheses, tradecraft, you know, the, the methodology that they were gonna use to um, to carry out this thing, how do they communicate with one another? What do they do? And then apply those lessons to your own organization. Is there something we can learn here? But I would say the biggest takeaway from that is make sure you have a security education awareness program that that recognizes these suspicious events and tells individuals and employees how to do it. I mean, we we tend to associate insider threats now with you know strictly phishing exercises or some you know innocent type of online activity this is you know human to human engagement this this tesla case you you could put a it could be it could have happened in the cold war for all we know between russia and the united states it was that uh really complex it was really fascinating to read and and you can really pull away but on top of that there's been tons of insider threat cases recently uh, we just saw one um, today, I think it occurred over the weekend, a, an individual destroyed a company property. Uh, we had ex-employees at Cisco, an ex-employee at Cisco still had access to um, Cisco and was able to, or to the network and was able to go in and, and do some damage there. So insider threats really take a lot of different uh, roles and functions. And, and so we really have to look at that in, in all the ways it can happen. Yeah, a lot of great points we made here. And as we speak to some of these incidents, we'll include some of these links when we uh, post this recording onto our website on the blog. So if you're interested in, in getting some more background, we'll include some relevant links on National Insider Threat Awareness Month, as well as the, the DOJ links and others around these cases, because really are fascinating. And, you know, Jen, you had an important point, talked about, you know, the, the negligent insider, the accidental insider. Uh, I've been guilty of that. And I've, I've shared that with our team. And um, you know, we, we, we spoke to that at some length. And you know, as we look at data breach incidents and reports every day, I say quite a lot of those are that accidental insider, right? Somebody clicked the wrong thing, gave away their credentials, you know, whatever. Um, but a lot of them are sort of inadvertent, you know, goof ups, right? And, and that's definitely inside of concern. But, but to some of the examples that you touched on and that Dave elaborated on, especially I think in, in the community of higher education, um, there are absolutely are some bad actors, some, some motivated uh, individuals working for somebody else. And it's not just here in the United States, just, just uh, this weekend, France arrested a high-ranking official uh, that was uh, sharing information with the government of Russia. So these things are absolutely occurring and understanding the threats, as Dave talked about, providing that education, you know, really raising awareness for the community is so important. A, lo a lot of really great points being made. Jarena, anything you want to add to this discussion of insider threats and awareness? Yeah, you know, I read that article about the Cisco ex-employee, and I just thought that was like, whoa, amazing. And so I just want to, on a, a separate note from, from that instance, I thought it was interesting um, this week, there's, there are stories out about how the, the Directorate of National Intelligence also seems to be concerned about leaks and quote-unquote insider threats of information spilling out from their briefs to Congress even. And so now, I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but now the, the ODNI is saying we're not going to give any in-person you know, in briefs during hearings like they normally would on election threats, but rather they're all just going to be um, given in written format because they are concerned about insiders on the different committees leaking information out um, without permission. And so I just think that's interesting timing, you know, as we're talking about insider threat awareness month and the different, the different faces of insider threats and how that looks um, at different levels, you know, within industry, within companies, within government. And so this very high profile uh, issue has, has spilled out into the public this week. 
That's a really good point, Rena. And I know there's obviously, you know, there's some political sensitivities around that. And so the media has been pounding on that from you know, many angles and you know, what's going on here. But to be fair, uh, you know, I think we forget that a lot of our elected officials have various backgrounds and don't always appreciate, you know, what it means to practice good OPSEC. And so there certainly have been, uh, I think, leaks of information at times that weren't on purpose, but sort of somebody, uh, you know, the old loose lips sort of aspect of things where people share things maybe they shouldn't have publicly. And when you think about the security around our elections right now and sensitivities around, you know, legitimate, safe, secure, fair elections right now, I think we want to minimize any uh, accidental, you know, uh, spills. And so I, I know a lot of people look at this very politically and I'm not, you know, saying yes or no to that one way or the other, but I think there are some legitimate concerns when you're dealing with a lot of civilians in Congress that really don't necessarily have a good background in understanding security and what it means to share and what it means when you see certain types of information under certain conditions. And you'd think that they would do better, but a lot of them don't, and history's shown that. So that's a really interesting point to bring up and a great topic. Before we pivot off of insider threats, I want to just come back around. Dave, Jen, anything you want to add on that topic? I just want to say that it, Dave kind of hit on it. I think Joanna said something too, but Dave kind of hit on it about, um, you know, it, it, it goes with culture and security awareness. And I'm a huge proponent that deterring it, that it's about deterring. We need to focus, well, we, you know, detect it and mitigate it and all that. But a big part of it is on deterring it. In order to deter it, it has to be part of that culture. And um, I could talk ad nauseum about that, but that needs to start with like recruitment. <laughs> you need to be kind of, you know, looking at, you know, the, the people that you're recruiting and, and what their apparent culture is, especially in these, you know, this day and age where people are a little bit more, I want to say computer savvy. It's more, it's more than just computers. Like I said, it is a people problem, but um, again, I'm not going to go into it, but it is you know, if we can focus on deterring and, and beating that drum and building that into our culture, that's a huge uh, step forward to, to deterring the insider threats. Yeah, that, that's a great yeah, point. Definitely. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, Jaina. No, I was just saying definitely. I agree with what she said. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And Dave, you want the final word here? No, Jen did a great job summing that up. I, it's really important. That That's a critical aspect when you talk about all of this, that, that that security culture um, that you create. So yeah, no, she summed it up great. Okay, all right, great, awesome. Well, good discussion there. And as exciting as National Insider Threat Awareness Month is, not only September National Insider Threat Awareness Month, but it's also another favorite topic, uh, another favorite topics recognized month, which is National Preparedness Month. And I'm a big fan of the topic of preparedness, as many listeners know. Our team does a lot in this space, in addition to all of our analytical and operational work, we spent a lot of time on preparedness at a variety of uh, different levels. Jarena, what can you tell us about 2020's National Preparedness Month? Okay, so like you, Andy, I'm a big fan of this type of awareness campaign. So the 2020 theme for National Preparedness Month is Disasters Don't Wait, Make Your Plan Today, which I think is great because the, the undergirding uh, thought there is that disasters don't wait until it's convenient or until there's nothing else going on to come and hit you. And so this year, you know, we see so much going on. We have hurricanes, we have wildfires, we have a global pandemic, we have civil unrest, we have so many things going on right now, disaster upon disaster, if you will. So I love the fact that they took that and made that into um, a theme. Disasters don't wait, make your plan today. So there's a lot of good information on ready.gov about this. I think they did a really good job of breaking up the, um, the focus areas. So they're broken up into four weeks. So the first is make a plan. The second is build a kit. The third is prepare for disasters. And the, the fourth is teach youth about preparedness. So for each of those weeks, there are lots of great resources on ready.gov that help individuals and organizations, communities, businesses, whatever um, may be the case, uh, they provide resources for each of these preparedness activities. And so I think it's great. And I think that uh, National Preparedness Month highlights the importance of not only individuals and individual households having a plan and being prepared for things that come up, um, but also what businesses and communities can do uh, on kind of like a, a group corporate level to prepare their members 
and as well. So I think that it's great. And then bonus, I don't know if you guys knew this, but September 25th is See Something, National See Something, Say Something Awareness Day as well. So that fits really nicely into National Preparedness Month. And just a good reminder for, um, you know, not just focusing on disasters, which are really important, but also for other malicious things that are going on all the time as well. Just a good reminder of See Something, Say Something, that campaign, that's still going on. I think this is the 17th year. And um, so just a reminder to people and organizations that that's still there. You can always report stuff that just doesn't seem right or that you think may be indicative of something. They have a, a cool quiz on the website to see something, say something website and other, other resources that, that make it interesting and engaging on a practical level. So those are my, those are my, that's my public service announcement for the day on preparedness. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that, that's great. Really, that, that's great. They bring up the see something, say something piece too. And again, just like with insider threats, we'll post a lot of these links, make these resources easily available. Anybody's listening in wants to grab those later. And, and you know, the things you mentioned, Mary Jarena, I, th I think one, the year of 2020 has been just, just one thing after another. Um, pretty unbelievable. I mean, this, this is truly a unique, unique year. And the last part of this, of the campaign for this year, you know, talking about teaching our youth, it's really a great opportunity, right? Because a lot of times, you know, things like this, years like this can, can build up some anxieties and bring some fear, just like we talked about active shooter in years past. And if we communicate effectively, we can really use these beneficial teaching moments to, to young ones to talk about the importance of, hey, you know, these things do happen and you can predict them. And so here's some of the things that we as adults, as parents, as family members, as communities, as friends, can do so when disaster comes, we are ready for it, right? Simple things we can do, right? Whether it's you know talking about fire drills or emergency preparedness kits or how to respond to a hurricane or any of those things we might experience in our local communities, right? Some have, have had serious wind events this year. We've had remarkable Atlantic uh, activity, fortunately um, limited, uh, you know, landfall. But there's a lot to cover, and really, when bad things happen. If, if we're smart and, and, and compassionate, we can use them in really great ways to, to talk to younger people and take off some of that fear and anxiety they might be feeling and help prepare them for whatever, whatever could be coming next. And I, I can't even imagine what 2021 could bring, but hopefully something less than this year's process. So thank you for bringing up all those points, some really great points. And Dave, you, you've written about this, you've discussed this quite a bit. What would you like to add regarding National Preparedness Month? Well, I think Jarena did a great job of covering it, and this is a hard part with going after Jarena and Jen, so I'd like to push for me to, to go first from here on out. Boxing you so out, I can, said earlier, slowly boxing. So I, can talk, so I can talk longer, but no, I mean, I think it, 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 the important part here is, you know, it, we've kind of hit on it with the insider threat part, and, it, and it's the same thing here, and Jarena talked about it with the the, the overarching themes of this year, it, it's really a, a culture that we're trying to brood and, 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 and build. And it really starts at the individual level, works to the organization, and, or it could go vice versa. You know, it could start with the organization, goes down to the individual level. I just contradicted myself completely, but we're not going to edit this because I don't want to take the time to edit it. But the, the fact is that you really have to look at um, when it really speaks down to that individual to get themselves and their family prepared as well. And then that carries into the organization and that builds this culture of, of preparedness within the organization so that when, when things do happen is you're ready to go. And, and it's not just you're ready to pack up your stuff at the office, but you have the things ready to go at home and you know what you're supposed to be doing. You've take you you've looked at the risks. You've made a plan. You have your bag ready to go, and and you're educating your youth. And 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 when you really look at those core principles, you you're really cementing that that fundamental purpose. And and we're you know at Flor in Florida here, it's hurricane season. We're reaching that peak season. We all know what's going to happen now. We've been through this every year. And it's the same thing when you bring in an individual to an organization from outside. 
you, the, as Jen mentioned, when they come on board, you're building, you're taking into that culture, you're building them and ingraining them into that culture from day one. And, and that's really the important parts and, and, and be out front about it, be up front um, with, with what your expectations are, have the brochures and the resources available online or, and have that stuff visible in the hallways and the break rooms and such talk about these things in training sessions. It's really important. Take advantage of this month and, and really try to cement that, that cultural preparedness. It's a great point. You know, I, th I think we're starting to pick up on a theme here, right? With building those, those security cultures and you know, just some of the points you're making for those that are listening and thinking, well, you know, man, I don't, I don't know where to start or, you know, what should I be posting? And there's a lot of free accessible resources from a number of federal government partners from DHS to the FBI, DNI and others, posters, uh, brochures, things you can download and, and gain access to on our website on the resources tab. We have uh, links to different topics, including insider threat, where you can go and grab some of these resources. So there's a lot available and it's taking the time to find them, uh, share them, educate on them. A lot of the hard work's really been done and you can just leverage that if you're not able to build your own insider threat program or your own preparedness program. There's a lot out there and you guys have already touched on a lot of those points we've discussed, building those cultures of security, preparedness and resilience. Um, so some really great discussion. But Jen, I want to come back to you. We, we started conversations with you on insider threats. Is it national preparedness? Anything you want to add? Well, first, I want to say this would have been a great topic to have James DeMeo on for him writing that book. What's your plan? Uh, just kind of a plug there. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll make sure to let James know that it's a great point. And, and we'll, we'll share the link to his book. It's a great resource for families and individuals as well. So great, great point, Jen. Actually, Dave made me think of it, but so I give, I'll give credit to Dave there since and, and you won't I'll, get I'll much from you. Finally, finally, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so enough about September, right? We're gonna, let's move on to October. And when you think about October, what do you think about? Fall, Columbus Day, or Indigenous Peoples Day? Um, Halloween? I know, pumpkin spice. No, maybe better yet, my birthday. My mom does, but that there's the requisite Jen's mom shout out, but you and mom would be wrong. October is not just for pumpkin spice or my birthday, sadly, but for the 17th year in a row, October will be recognized as National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Yes, there is such a thing. This year's, uh, the theme this year is do your part, hashtag be cyber smart. No, Dave, I can't take responsibility for that quip. But National Cybersecurity Month was launched by the National Cybersecurity Alliance and the U.S. Department of Homeland Security in October of 2004, and it has been recognized every year since. We look forward to talking about it more next month. Until then, do your part and follow or interact with hashtag BeCyberSmart on all of your favorite social media platforms. And that's all I have for that part. <laughs> Nicely played. I'm thinking about the many uh, October spice flavor things I saw at the grocery store <laughs> this weekend now. So yeah, a lot of really points. We will come back and discuss that more in next month's risk roundtable. So thanks for pointing to that. A great, a great lead in there. And um, we, we've, we've gone a little long, but I think we have a lot to cover today. I want to come back and just give you all a chance to share any final words of wisdom uh, for those that are listening in. So uh, Jen, you, you just spoke, but you want to you start us off talking about any, any final thoughts? No, I'm good. Okay, right, fair, enough. fair enough. Dave, I know you've always got something to share. I, I can't shout out to Jen's mom because, well, Jen, Jen, Jen did that. And so I guess uh, we would say hi to Jen's mom. But I do want to note, we have gotten a couple, um, you know, questions out from our loyal listeners out there. there. There's five of them now, so that's good. I mean, we're building up. But uh, I'll, I'll shout out to Paul because I think, uh, Andy, he's a good friend of yours and mine. But uh, Paul sent in a couple of questions. Unfortunately, we didn't get to them this time. They're going to be on one of our other platforms, though. So, Paul, don't drop us from your uh, loyal listening podcast. Just hang on there. But I, I do think we did hit on so many great topics. I mean, it, there's a lot to it. Um, I, I'll just go back to that understanding. It's important as security professionals, as, as you know, individuals who are working to reduce the risk within our organiz respective organizations, to really understand that the what the issues are and, and do your due diligence in going in and digging into the details. Recognize both perspectives or all sides of the perspectives and then present that and, and let the decision makers make those decisions. But uh, the, the key part is please understand the issues and don't be, none of these are simple anymore. And, and it, it's really 
behoo it behooves us to do our part. So that's all I have to say. Uh, that's really good. And, and you bring up a great point, Dave. I was going to come back to it at the end too, but really do appreciate feedback and questions and commentary. And we discuss that amongst ourselves to try to make sure that these roundtables and podcasts really, you know, hit, hit where, where people need it the most. So thanks for bringing that up and some great points there. And Zarina, we'll come over to you to, to wrap things up. Any final words from your end? Wow, it's going to be hard. Dave has been like, especially eloquent today. So I don't know, maybe I should just do a gen and be like, no, I'm good. Everything's fine. <laughs> I think we had a good conversation. I don't think I can follow Dave on that. Um, other than this, just to reiterate, you know, I think um, it's good to pay attention to what's going on, um, understand the, the different nuances that are that are going on. Uh, very few things you can take at face value. So um, that's what I'll end on here. Thanks for a great conversation. Yeah, a really great conversation, despite the uh, praise going Dave's way, which I, I highly discourage. But that being said, I'll, I'll get back, you know, with my closing remarks, I'll get back on, on the soapbox for probably too long-winded a comment, but that's what I do, right? So as we wrap up, I think it's important to note that, um, well, I want to come back to protests for a minute, right? So I think it's important to say that the protest is a really great form of expression and a constitutional right captured in the very First Amendment in our Bill of Rights. And while we see you know, bad people, we discuss some of those, you know, from organized criminals, uh, such as retail crime, to those that are seeking to conduct violence uh, against both people and property, and we discussed that quite a bit. It has to be stated that the vast majority of protesters really are peaceful and just want to be heard and, and truly heard. And while we are right to be frustrated with police when there are repeated examples of excessive and unnecessary use of force and violence, and yes, there are some real uh, police reform measures we should be discussing and considering seriously. Most law enforcement is honestly trying to serve and protect, and many are in harm's way protecting those free speech and assembly rights. So as we wrap up, I just want to really say, you know, for all those that are peacefully gathering and protesting, to all those that are, are screaming out with their voices to be heard, for those that maybe can't be out there protesting and demonstrating to be heard, and to all of those who serve to protect them, thank you all very much because your voices and your service are part of what makes our chaotic republic great and i'll take that chaos over the order of the chinese communist party and other uh, such governments every single day so with that thank you to my teammates and all of those listening uh, please check out our podcast page the gay 15 website check out the resources page we referenced earlier again we'll include many of the links discussed today when we hang this uh, discussion on our blog to learn more about our podcast uh, check those out Please subscribe. Please listen. As Dave said, we really welcome feedback and input from listeners, whether it's on social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, or direct by email. You can reach out to us at podcast at gay15.global. Next week, Jen will be back with the next installment of the Cybersecurity Evangelist. Uh, Two in. weeks. Absolutely. We're taking off next week. <laughs> For the next podcast. Jen okay. The Cybersecurity Evangelist. <laughs> so thanks for the correction there. And, uh, and I think we'll, we'll end it there. So thank you all very much. Take care, and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.